Hi, this is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti, and welcome to another special Super Bowl edition of the AP Pro Football Podcast. The Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers finished their media obligations on Thursday, so they have two days to focus on preparation without any more distractions from any of us. Big game is on Sunday. Looking forward to that as we get closer and closer. We've got former NFL quarterback Carson Palmer, who had his best seasons playing for Bucks coach Bruce Arians when they were in Arizona together. He'll be on the show. He's got very interesting comments about head coaches calling their own plays on offense. So stay tuned for that and more from him. Also, Denver Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy is on the show. He posted decent numbers as a rookie, but wasn't all that happy about the way he played. So check that out. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell held his news conference on Thursday. NFL Players Association Executive Director D. Smith joined him briefly at the end as the two sides, normally they're mixing it up over labor issues, but they're celebrating together the extraordinary collaborative effort that it took to reach this Super Bowl on time in the middle of a pandemic. Well done, both sides. Goodell addressed diversity, minority hiring practices, and he said more needs to be done. Here's a very interesting stat. When the Rooney Rule was adopted in 2003, there were three black head coaches. Today, after several tweaks and adjustments to the rule to increase opportunities for minorities, there are still only three black head coaches. So that was a main topic also for several players on the NFLPA Executive Committee during D. Smith's news conference that followed Roger Goodell. Sam Acho, who's a former player, and he's currently the union's executive committee EVP. He said it best. A lot of the players believe if you want to see change, you need to see different faces and different voices that are at the table trying to make some of those changes. So that was from Sam Acho. Ironically, after I leave the news conference and I finished writing one of my stories, I was listening to a national radio host and I heard him say this, quote, and this is about New Texans coach David Culley, quote, he's going to be outcoached 13 of 16 games, end quote. Excuse me? Culley hasn't even coached one game yet, but it doesn't stop a hot taker from declaring he's not a smart coach. How do you make that statement? It's absolutely asinine, but very interesting to hear that, especially on a day when Roger Goodell and D. Smith and other players are talking about the need to improve minority hiring. Jerry Judy was the 15th overall pick by the Broncos out of Alabama last year. He had a decent rookie season, but Judy sees room for improvement. We talk about it and much more. Here's my conversation with Jerry Judy. Jerry, how would you describe, man, your rookie season, 52 catches, 856 yards. You had a 92-yard touchdown catch in there. What was it like for you? Um, my rookie se- season, I would describe it as um, not not, not the year that I wanted, um, but uh, my first year, a lot I could improve and a lot to learn from. Um, I feel like I really take advantage of a lot of my opportunities, um, but it only get greater later. How much did the no OTAs, no offseason affect you? Uh, I feel like it don't affect me at all. I feel like um, we practiced and um, we we did a lot of meetings and 
to be well prepared. And I feel like if you wasn't prepared enough during that time, and hey, I don't feel like OTAs or anything like that really hold, held me back from anything, really. What are you looking to improve upon the most going from first season into your next year? Um, limited drops. Um, yeah, I feel like my drops was a big issue um, my rookie season. So that's something I'm focusing on working on. How do you do that? Like, is, is that just something after practice where you, you catch balls off the jugs gone or do you have to catch live from guys? What do you do? Uh, not really. Mostly like just just like uh, you could just work on your hand placement. Make sure you catch catch it with your fingertips, and not your palm. Um, hand and eye coordination. Um, stuff, little stuff like that. Really, just focus on the um. You focus on catching the ball. Really, you were the second wide receiver taken in the draft last year. Henry Ruggs went ahead of you, fellow Alabama guy. Now you ended up Jerry with twice as many catches as Henry. Now some of the guys after you, Justin Jefferson had more. He was a second-team All-Pro. How much do you pay attention to those guys, and do you have any kind of friendly competition with them, especially Henry? Uh, you see, me, I don't compete with nobody but myself, because I'm the only one that could stop me, and I'm the only one that could, you feel me, beat me. But, uh, no, nah, I feel like, yeah, of course I watch the other group of guys. They're in my class. I like to watch them. I like to learn from them also, too. So, um, seeing him rather than seeing Justin, Justin Jefferson having the career that they had, um, I could learn a lot from it. What did you think of the Denver Broncos fan base? They're obviously very passionate, a wild bunch. Of course, it was different this year with, with no fans in the stands. But what did you think overall of the Denver Broncos fan base and being there? Uh, see, yeah, it's, I, 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 ain't, I don't know really because, <laughs> you know, like you just said, there was no fans at the stadium. So the energy probably was different so I can't really answer that question just yet describe that feeling for me when you catch a ball going over the middle it's a tie game fourth quarter playing the Raiders and then you just outrun everybody to the house for a 92 yard touchdown what's going through your mind as you're making that play um first you know come for the game I had before my first thought was on that play catch the ball first then let everything happen after so once I catch the ball I seen the green get green grass and I just hit it what do you think was the hardest adjustment from college to the NFL? Was it the speed of the game? Was it something else? I think just um, learning the defense, um, just how to do the defense disguise things. You know, the safety would be by by the DN and run back to a quarters or cover two coverage, stuff like that. So just really knowing what your, def your defense tendencies are. What's the trash talk like? Jerry, in the NFL compared to college with the DBs? Are, are they yapping more? Are they talking more trash to you, especially being a rookie? Um, to be honest, um, people ain't really trash taught me much in college or in the, or in the NFL. So, uh, so I don't know. Probably, I don't know. They, I, if they do, they, I, it probably won't be the same thing. Everybody say the same thing. Um, <laughs> what more can you say? <clears throat> that surprises me. You guys don't trash. Is it because you? I mean, you're a quiet dude. Is it? You think it's because of that? Um, a little bit. And what you gonna trash talk about? Yeah, but I mean, guys, NFL guys, you know, it's it's part of some guys. It's part of their game. I think maybe yeah. it could be a little bit different up front, the defensive lineman, the offensive lineman, because they're going at each other all game. So you guys had to play a game with wide receiver Kendall Hinton at quarterback. What was that week like? How crazy was it? knowing that you're going to go into a football game without an actual quarterback under center? 
Well, we didn't know we were going to a game like that until the day before the game. So once we once we knew that, we just knew that we just gonna have to make sure we get get our blocking on. Have you at all picked up a football, thrown it around, said, "Hey, coach, you know, man, I can I could do this too." Anything like that? Yeah, I, mean, I was telling them put me at quarterback and let me make some plays, but they wasn't trying to listen to that. <laughs> Jerry, I know you're teaming up with Old Spice to give everyone a way to get excited and get in on the fun with P&G. They got a hashtag this or that Super Bowl 55 TikTok challenge. So tell me a little bit about that and what you're doing. Yeah, this is a TikTok challenge on um, this or that challenge that I was doing for Old Spice. This really um, giving me choices between like um, what I like to do and who I like, who I think is going to win the game, stuff like that. Just a little fun challenge that Old Spice had me doing on TikTok. So who do you think is going to win the game, or do we have to check it out on TikTok? Yeah, y'all going to have to check it out, check it out on TikTok. Um, check it out on TikTok, Jerry Judy. Just type that in, and you'll see it on the Old Spice. Well, the wide receivers in this game, from Tyreek Hill to Mike Evans to Antonio Brown to Chris Godwin, I mean, a lot of talented guys. Do you watch their game at all? Do you try and emulate anybody in the NFL or anybody on either side of these two teams? Uh, I mean, I watch a lot of um, I, I watch a lot of players on um, just to, just to learn from um, really. But uh, yeah, these two teams got um, a great receiver core. Um, you know, Antonio Brown, Craig Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Tyree Hill, Travis Kelsey, a lot, Sammy Walker, a lot more other guys on um, that. I enjoy watching throughout their career. Um, Jerry, tell me your favorite Nick Saban story. My favorite Nick Saban story? Um, let me see. Uh, he it, it, It's something like, it, it's a lot of things he did. Like, when we back there at Palm Return, he'll he say some jokes that I can't say on the air, but pretty <laughs> funny. Is he a different guy with you? I mean, we see somebody who's in front of the cameras and, you know, he's kind of grumpy sometimes. How different is he with you guys when you were there? Uh, no, he, he's that guy for sure. But he he got a little <laughs> humor. He got a little humor with it. But you just got to catch him on his good days. All right, man. Well, Jerry, hey, I appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you catching a whole lot more passes in the NFL. All right, thank you. Carson Palmer played 15 seasons in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals, the Oakland Raiders, and the Arizona Cardinals. He was the number one overall pick by the Bengals in 2003. He went to three Pro Bowls. He threw for over 46,000 yards and 294 TDs. He joined me a couple months ago, and we caught up again this week to discuss the Super Bowl. Here's Carson Palmer. Carson, everybody talks about the quarterback matchup in this coming Super Bowl. Obviously a classic, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. As a former QB who had a ton of success in the NFL, how do you view this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, um, it's less about the actual quarterbacks. And it's more about the guys around them. Um, you look at the weapons that that Mahomes has and, and their third receiver being Cole Hardman, who's a game changer and a game breaker outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, the list goes on at Sammy, Sammy, uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, the they're so talented and so gifted on offense. Um, and then you look at Tom Brady and the weapons he has. You know, it's um, hopefully uh, Antonio's back. We'll see. But with Mike Evans, with Gronk, 
um, with the stable of backs they have coming out of the backfield. Um, it's really about those guys and what those defenses can do. Because you look at the way that that um, Tampa's built, they can run side to side on defense. So all the misdirection stuff that Kansas City does where Miko Hardman going this way and Tyreek Hill going that way, and then you got Pat in the backfield, Patrick Mahomes in the backfield with the ball, they've got so much speed on defense and they can cover sideline to sideline, unlike really anybody else defensively that they've played. I, I think that's where the matchup comes in. Can Tampa match up well with their linebackers against that fast sideline to sideline speed that that um, can that Kansas City has? There just aren't there aren't many teams. I mean, Levante David runs four three, Devin White runs four four. You don't see that, and Tampa has that. So I think for the first time, um, you know, Kansas City's coming up against an offense that or a, a defense that has lateral speed that you haven't seen. And that's why the game was so close last time these two teams played in the regular season. How much are you able to take out of the game when, when you're in that position that they're in? It was several weeks ago. Tampa hasn't lost since that game. How much can they look back, reflect on, on that tape and try to determine what they want to do and how they want to do things differently? Well, not just the tape that they're looking back. They're they're remembering that you know, when you're a defender and you're on the field with Tyreek Hill and you feel his speed and you feel his presence and you you know laterally when when you're watching the quarterback and you see him go in motion and you know you've got Travis Kelsey on the same side of the ball. I think from a confidence wise, Tampa's going. Man, we we saw what they have. I think they scored 27 points, um, which is well below um, what what most defenses hold them to. So. I think they're going to go back and watch the film. They're going to remember the handful of plays that got them. And they're going to say, you know, we can run with these guys. You know, we, we've we been on the field with them. We've felt their speed. We've been out there as they're in motion and, and offensively. Guys are screaming across the quarterback's lap as he's, as he's doing all the play action stuff with guys going downfield. I, I think there's a certain level of confidence that Tampa has you know, maybe they're saying to themselves, we've got this. We held them to 27. If we can keep them to 25 this time, we'll put up 30 on them and win. And it's it's a great um, – I think it's a great barometer for a team. Once you've played somebody and you lost, you always get on the plane or you get on the bus going, man, we're better than them or we should have had them. We had that one play that lost us that game. So I think there's a certain level of confidence in Tampa. Even though they lost that game, they kept it close. They didn't allow a ton of big explosive plays like – every other team that Kansas city plays against has. So I think there's a certain level of confidence that Tampa has. And that's why I'm picking Tampa. Carson, you had a lot of success. You thrived under Bruce Arians when he was your head coach. How have you seen him evolve since that time in Arizona to now with the bucks? Well, I think the best thing um, that he's got in Tampa is he's not having to call the plays. He's the head coach. He can just be the head coach. He's got Byron Leftwich calling plays on offense. He's got Todd Bowles on defense calling plays. And I'll never forget. I mean, the first couple of years, I would be so frustrated waiting for him to call the play into my headset. And he's down on the other end of the field screaming and yelling at a referee. And I'm looking at the play clock. And we got like 17 seconds on the play clock. And he hasn't even called the play in yet. Wow. So I, I like the fact that he can just focus on being the head coach. If he just wants to focus on yelling at refs, he can do that. If he wants to yell at guys on his own team, he can do that. But he's taken that off his plate because, you know, when you're the head coach, you got to deal with the owner. You got to deal with the media. You got to deal with all the other coaches on your staff. And then you have to deal with your team. When you throw in having to, to design a game plan during the week 
and then call those plays on Sunday. That's a lot of stress. That's a lot going on. So I think just taking that off of his plate has really helped him evolve into an even better head coach. Carson, it sounds to me like you think teams should have head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and even some teams who do have all three, most of them do, a lot of head coaches want to call those plays. You like to see them allow their offensive coordinator to do that, especially if it's a young coach? 100%. Nothing pisses me off more than when a head coach is calling plays too, whether it's a defense or, or offensive coordinator that becomes a head coach. But the flip side of that is, you know, you look at the Matt LaFleurs and, and Sean McVay and some of these young guys that have gotten jobs, they're going, holy smokes, I'm 35. A quarter of the team is older than me. And I got to I gotta be me. I got to do what got me here. And what got me here is calling plays. So it's such a difficult thing for these young coaches to give up because they're going, man, I can't believe it. I'm finally a head coach and I've only been coaching for 10 years. I'm a head coach because I'm a great offense coordinator. So I'm going to continue to call plays. And that way I won't get fired because I'm, I'm not going to be putting this burden on somebody else. And I think it's just the wrong way to do it. I, I think especially as a young head coach, you go from being a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator with another team. And now you're the head coach, your responsibilities quadruple and you're still going to call plays and you're still going to game plan. I just think it's a recipe for disaster. I know it has worked in a lot of scenarios, but you know, these guys get so in tune to, well, I'm a play caller and I'm great at that. And that's how I got here. And I just think that that's the wrong mentality. I think you need to find somebody that you can, um, you can manipulate and, and mold into a play caller like yourself over time. Um, but it, that's the first thing that worries me about these new head coaches that are getting jobs is they're saying they're going to call plays too. I just think it's too much of a burden on these young, these young coaches. Bruce was critical of Brady early in the season and people said he called him out and how sometimes some guys question, how dare he call out Tom Brady, the goat. But this week, Bruce said, I was just being honest. You got, you guys were asking me questions. Why did he throw an interception? I was being honest. It wasn't calculated. Uh, there were times when he was critical of you during your times together, but he said back then that he did it because you could handle it. How did you feel about it back then? Were you okay with just brushing aside that criticism? And, and what did you think of the way he handled it with Tom? Well, you don't have a choice, right? I mean, it, it, it just happens. And then you have to deal. Tom had to deal all year long with, you know, questions about the team he's getting ready to play. And then questions about his relationship with Bruce. And do you guys not get along? I heard he hates you. Do you hate him? It, you know, it just creates uh, another distraction. But if anybody can handle distractions, it's Brady. He, he's, he's had distraction after distraction throughout his entire career. So I think, you know, to, to your point about Bruce, Bruce knew that, that Brady's got thick skin. Bruce knew that he could keep it real and be honest. And I think uh, personally, I just, it is refreshing. It's refreshing from a player standpoint that the head coach goes in the team meeting and says the same thing he says to the players, to the media. It's not one thing to the players and then one thing, to the media where, you know, head coaches are worried about stepping on different toes and, and messing with guys' egos. Bruce doesn't care if you have an ego. He doesn't care if he steps on your toes. He's going to tell it like it is. If he tell if he pulled you aside after the game and said, hey, you played terrible, you need to pick it up, he's going to walk right into the press conference and say the exact same thing. You're not going to hear two different stories, which, again, you know, we're talking about these young head coaches. 
these young head coaches come over and, and take over teams where there's a handful of players that are older than them that have more playoff appearances, more Super Bowl wins than them. And they really have to kind of walk around on eggshells around these egos and around these different guys. That's not Bruce's style. That's the new school style. Bruce is old school. Carson, you were recently inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. What kind of honor is that? And you know, how did how did you feel when you first found out? Just a tremendous honor, um, a humbling honor. You know, I grew up a college football fan. Um, grew up in Southern California, watching USC, watching UCLA. Um, just was, you know, always dreamt of playing in college football. I actually never dreamt of being in the College Football Hall of Fame. It just I just wanted to play and um, to have that phase of my career and my life, um, you know, so far in, in the rearview mirror and so long ago that it seems so long ago um, to look back and reflect and, and, you know, talk to different people that have reached out to congratulate me and different coaches and players and guys I played with that I haven't talked to for so long. Um, it was such a special time in my life and uh, obviously just a tremendous honor for me. Carson, tell me why you chose to partner with CBD brand Level Select and how this product really helps you keep an active lifestyle. Yeah, I got done playing after 15 years, lots of knee surgeries, all kinds of elbow, shoulder, back, all kinds of um, just issues from, from playing for such a long time and really wanted to start playing golf and wanted to be, you know, coaching my kids soccer team and football team and daughter's volleyball team and anything I could and with four young kids and um, still wanting to be active myself and hunt and fish and ski and just do things outside and be outside level select CBD has been something that's, that's helped me do that. It's been a game changer for me. I use it daily. Um, I, I have issues with my knee currently aches and pains in there. And I, like I said, I like to be active. So Level Select CBD is something that that continues, um, you know, keeps me chasing my kids, keeps me outside, keeps me on the go. Um, and right now you can log on and get 50% off levelselectcbd.com. You can uh, type in the promo code Carson. You get 50% off right now. Man, I've had ACL injury, patella injury, meniscus injury. My knees are killing me. I'm right around your age, a little bit older than you. I got to check that out myself. Carson, thank you so much. Appreciate your time and uh, wish you a ton of blessings. All right, Rob. Take care, man. Time for some final thoughts to my fellow reporters and media members. Whether you work in print, radio, TV, online, whatever your platform is, just a reminder that your job doesn't make you better than anyone else. We're so quick, often so quick, to criticize athletes and coaches team executives, whoever it may be, for jerk behavior. Yet, oftentimes in this business, I don't see us holding ourselves accountable. So here's a little situation. Purposely cutting in front of someone in a line twice in the same day or being nasty to people who just have a job to do, whether they're security people, checking your credentials or asking you for a temperature check or whatever, that's jerk behavior. Keep that in mind. That's it for another special Super Bowl 55 episode. Thank you to Carson Palmer and Jerry Judy for joining me. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. Share, leave a review, tell a friend. Stay tuned for another episode before we get to the big game this week in Tampa. Until then, I'm Rob Motti reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing.